Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and as always I am glad to be with you today. Today on the show we are talking about the product development approach for 31 bits that is built not just on what we think looks good but what we think fits the unit economic approach that we want to go after. I'm going to tell you all about it right now. So one of the things that I've learned about working with entrepreneurs is uh, having worked with a lot of them from the client side to now being on the 4 or 400 side is that many, if not most entrepreneurs are sort of first and foremost product people. Um, and what I mean by that is not necessarily that they are actual product development experts, but they have ideas around products. Whether, whether or not they, they sort of can even develop the product themselves, whether they can make them themselves, they, they have an idea for a space related to a product, and a lot of times they're thinking about that idea relative, to, it's almost like an inventor's mindset. It's like they, they have this, this thing that they think will work great uh, for meeting some need or just being beautiful or funny or whatever. And so they create their product based on that. And that is awesome. It's one of the beautiful things about working with entrepreneurs. It's one of the reasons that I actually have a high respect for entrepreneurs is that they, they tend to think creatively and interestingly in ways that I simply don't. Um, and, and it's not really how my mind works. It's also why a lot of the times 4x400, I think, makes for a really good partner for people. Uh, because we do not think that way, first and foremost. We think first and foremost about how do you grow a D2C e-com uh, consumer goods brand, right? So we, we are thinking very much about this problem to solve, which is how do we grow a brand to a certain size? And that's the problem we're trying to solve. We're not trying to solve first and foremost sort of a product problem. We're trying to solve a economic strategy problem, you could say. And those two skill sets brought together can be really, really powerful. Occasionally, we actually have a problem on our side, which is that we're not that good at developing new products because it's, we're not product people. Uh, so it it becomes this issue of there becomes a stall out on developing. We've had this with FC Goods to shoot really straight with you, just trying to figure out products to add to our product mix with FC Goods that would be great additions for our consumer. I, I'm thinking so much uh, in terms of brand growth type stuff that it's, it sort of is hard for me and sometimes my team members to really think in terms of creative products that people will love. So when we come to 31 Bits and uh, we see that this brand was founded by people who, as I've said, wanted to change the world and they're thinking about product development very much in terms of things like ethical impact on culture uh, and on humans, excuse me, and um, I mean, those are the same culture and humans. They're, that's what that's what culture is made up of humans. Um, so they're thinking about that. They're thinking about creating products that uh, they can sell that are pretty and that are beautiful. And that was kind of the genesis of the brand. And all of that, of course, started, um, uh, again, as I've said, over 10 years ago now. And this whole story came out of that for 31 Bits, which was this product development in Uganda. Uh, around these paper beads products. Now, I'm not going to go back over that again. If you need some catch-up on that, go a couple episodes backward and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But as we have now gone to thinking about what products are we going to add to the mix, I want to tell you how we're approaching that because as, a, as the operator of, of 31 Bits, 
who is not the founder, we come with fresh eyes to the product mix. It's another one of the services we really provide sometimes is that we're just not so close to the brand. So sometimes we can think about problems a little bit differently. And for 31 bits, this is a crucial thing that we're approaching differently than, uh, than, than the founders initially did. Now, the founders certainly were thinking about product development and thinking about what they needed to add, add to their product mix. But we came and said, as we approach this, not only do we want to move towards metal jewelry, which was something that we had kind of agreed upon with a 31 bits founders. Uh, and I've, again, I've talked about that some, but we wanted to start thinking about targeting, not just metal, but think about the problem of product development, not just in terms of, of being able to sell metal jewelry and even being able to sell metal jewelry at a certain margin, though that's that's one of the factors. We, are, we have a target margin, which is a landed margin of 70 points. We want that. Um, but also to think about this in terms of another factor, which is how do we test for growth what kinds of products will work within the broad category of ethically made jewelry? How do we build something for the kind of growth we want? Because we're not trying to ultimately create a half a million dollar lifestyle brand or a million dollar lifestyle brand or even a two million dollar lifestyle brand. For us, what we're, what we're aiming at with 31 bits at any given time, with any of our brands really, is 10 million plus and really we'd like to see if we can get to 20 for our brands. That's, that's the goal for any one of our brands. We want, we want brands that we, we can see real pathway to 20 million. It doesn't mean that every brand actually has to go there. We like to maintain optionality as well on different ways of turning um, uh, our brand growth into profit. But, uh, but we're, we're trying to aim at that. And that means that for us, we need to think about product development, I mean, at least on our end, primarily in terms of economic impact on our, on our 10 to $20 million goal not first and foremost about uh, sort of our creative preferences. So what we're doing is thinking about how do we create, and this is, this is the key, how do we create uh, an approach to, uh, to products that works well for scaling a brand with paid media? Because that's the other thing. The thing we're really good at is Facebook ads um, and sort of tactical e-commerce beyond just Facebook ads, right? That includes email and conversion rate optimization and, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but that's gonna be driven by Facebook ads. And one thing I know is that AOV really helps your Facebook ads. If you can exist really above a $50 AOV, Facebook ads is an easier game. That's a heuristic, it's a general rule, it's not true in every case, but there you go. So, we started thinking, okay, 31 bits AOV has been $50, give or take, 15 bucks over the last bunch of years, okay? Just depending on what product lines they have at a given time, et cetera. So uh, we started thinking about that and we're making this move from paper bead jewelry to metal jewelry. So uh, add, let me add one more thing to that. Another kind of, another idea constraint we're working within, not necessarily constraint, but idea we're working within is that the 31 Bits founders have told me that they don't even love wearing 31 Bits jewelry anymore. And the reason why is when they created the company, uh, trends were different and they were a lot younger. So they had less spending power when they were college students who were starting this brand, okay, uh, in 2009. Um, and uh, trends were different and now they have like real jobs and their styles are different as they've grown up as well. And they're realizing something has changed but the problem is we've had this whole story around, uh, around this Uganda paper bead thing. So what do we do about that? So we said, okay, let's take those ideas and combine them with the way we think about this problem, which is margin. What can we create that has the margin that we want, including the, sh the cost of shipping, okay, which is a huge part of this. 
And then add to that, that we want to create some sort of buckets to test where uh, the 31 bits brand works best for our customer. And so we're thinking about those buckets in terms of AOV specifically, or not AOV, not average order value, but specific order value really. So um, so when we went to go create uh, a new line of jewelry that is, uh, should be, we're about to sort of finalize designs and then we'll send it off and hopefully have stuff in a couple months, ready to sell. Uh, we targeted three uh, order value buckets, uh, less than $50, 51 to $100, and 101 to $150. 31Bits is not a super luxury brand and we don't intend to be that suddenly, okay? What we do intend uh, is to raise the brand image just a little in terms of brand quality, quality of product, to move it up with the age of not only the founders, but also probably some of the audience that's been around for a long time, as well as, um, more importantly, the customer we want to acquire. Now, I wanna actually pause here and, and note two reflections about this. First, an, a reflection about working with creative people. Um, I have found that sometimes highly strategic analytical people have a hard time working with creative people. And a lot of the reason for that, in my view, is because they're not speaking the same language and they're not trying to solve the same set of problems. So what has to happen to work well with creative people for, for tactical, analytical, strategic people to get the most out of creative people and for creative people to thrive the most and to be great additions is uh, the two groups need to give each other constraints to work within. I act, and I think especially this tends to go from the strategic person to the creative person. The strategic person is not the creative person almost ever. So um, they shouldn't have the job of creating the thing. They should have the job of giving constraints to the creative person to go create, uh, to go design. And by constraints, I mean things like, for example, average order value. So we went to the designer who's one of the founders, Callie, and said to her, hey, Callie, um, we would like to target these three order value buckets. And we worked with her on picking those buckets and said, can, can 31 Bits create metal jewelry in these spaces that is high quality and that's manufactured not just ethically, but sort of in a way that is um, investing in the communities? Like that's the 31 Bits brand uh, position, right? Just think about that. That is a bunch of constraints right there. So metal is one of the constraints. Um, uh, with manufacturing practices that we feel great about brand-wise um, and and just human ethics-wise, right? Um, and then here's the order value constraints. Okay, those are your constraints and I want uh, products that fit each of these three buckets, go, okay? Now, that gives a creative person like Callie who is very creative, uh, and has a, a great design eye, something to do to target her her efforts. Um, this is true in my experience with brand with like graphic designers on websites and things like that. If you just say, go make me a new website, make it beautiful, you'll get all kinds of stuff and then sometimes you'll be frustrated and you're not frustrated actually because of their work, you're frustrated, you think it's because of their work, but it's actually because you didn't give them clear enough constraints to work within. So you didn't communicate your expectations and then they gave you something that was really broad. Well, that's because you didn't give them the proper constraints. So that's just a principle um, that I want to offer there, okay? So is is um, It's just this basic idea that the, um, the constraint that you give a creative person really helps, it actually helps creativity. Constraints don't work against creativity, they bring it out. They give you a set of design challenges to solve um, and, uh, and that actually makes for uh, better design ultimately.
Okay, the, the other reflection here that I want to point out is this another issue I see a lot of early stage entrepreneurs really make a mistake here, which is I said something about we're designing for the customer we want to acquire. That's how I'm approaching this for 31 bits because my goal for 31 bits is to get, like I said, the 10 to $20 million somewhere in that in revenue, which means I may frustrate my, my past customers. Now, I want to treat my past customers well, to be sure, but what I don't want to do is work within their demands only. Again, I see this mistake made pretty often by early stage entrepreneurs. They they have a sense of who their customer is, uh, and so they, they sort of behave in a way that is aimed at pleasing that customer. And while that customer probably does represent other customers, if your growth is capped and you're frustrated about it, then you can't go on trying to serve that customer only because they are not actually uh, the customer you're trying to acquire. There's not enough of them, right? If you're only reaching a small set of people and that's a, a problem for your business, then you have to you have to sort of decide either I can keep trying to play to this one audience or I can start trying to go play to a different audience. Now, there's all kinds of ways in which what I'm saying could be interpreted wrong, but try and take me at my best here. What I'm simply saying is, you have to actually build product and pricing and strategy, not for where you've been, but for where you're trying to go. And sometimes your past customer's voice will be too loud in your head. And again, this is another reason why an agency or someone like that can be really helpful. I watched this, when I was on the agency side, I watched this conflict happen all the time. Uh, a, a smaller stage entrepreneur trying to grow would say, my brand has this this really specific constraint and I, I can't, um, I can't go outside of that. This is who my brand is or who it's for, or my customer is this person, you know? And I, and I would just want to say, well, your customer isn't, your current customer is not your future customer. And if it was, you'd be growing faster. Not in every case, but in a lot of cases. And so, um, so for 31 bits, we had to kind of stop and say, and, and by the way, I'm making it sound like there's conflict here. There was actually none with the 31 bits team. They, they saw all these same issues and, and we really had a seamless integration on this, on these particular cu couple of problems. It's been fantastic to work with them. They were already saying, and I think they were actually fear, feeling a little bit of fear about the idea of going towards metal jewelry, higher value, higher price point. Um, we were sitting at dinner with them initially and, and somebody brought up AOV while we were talking about all this. And I said, yeah, I have a comment about changing the AOV. Um, and one of them started to give a, give a response to that, uh, thinking that I was going to say, bring the AOV down. I think that they thought we would want to come and sort of cheapen the brand more to grab a bunch of cash, grab a bunch of sales. For some reason, that was in their head about what a strategy would be. Um, and I was saying, of course, the opposite. No, no, no I want to go up an AOV, who have less discounting um, and, and bring a higher price product. I think the brand could really support that. Um, and, and so there's been seamlessness on this point. But, but as we go and create these products now, um, that's the way we're thinking about this problem. Who's the future customer? What are the constraints we need to design within? And so where we've landed is a new set of products within our main categories that are primarily made from gold vermeil. Now, you will not be surprised to hear that I knew nothing. I had never heard the word vermeil before. Uh, this is why I'm not the designer. This is the whole beauty of this idea, right? I helped build the strategy and the designer goes and now looks into materials and all those kinds of things. And then a supply chain people go and say, okay, how do we find the right people for that? And oh, the designer says, well, actually, maybe we can get some of that in, in our current manufacturing setup, et cetera. But you go solve those problems sequentially 
sequentially. We start with what's the strategy, and then you go how you design within that strategy, and then you go solve the supply chain sides of things. Well, everybody's talking to each other along the way so nobody gets too far off course, okay? So that's what we do, gold vermeil. Gold vermeil, uh, for those of you who were like me and did not know, is sterling silver um, with some gold plating, but a thicker gold plate than what you'd call quote-unquote gold-plated, okay? So it's a, it's a um, it feels a little heavier, feels a little more substantial, um, and feels like a higher quality piece because it is. It is a higher quality um, metal to work with. So that's the way we're going. We should know in a couple of months if this works or not. We should know which one of those uh, buckets works the best, the, the 50 100 $150 buckets um, for the, the pricing. We will test those all the same way as we do while we test the current set of products that we already have. Um, and we will see. We will see if the 31 Bits brand can support a slightly finer uh, jewelry style than what we've been working with before um, because we will find out if the customer we're trying to reach is going to respond to that or not. All right, that's it for today. Uh, and I want to tell you that next week we are probably going to have a little pause uh, in the 31 Bits story because we have acquired another brand. So uh, I'm not going to tell you what that brand is yet. I don't think we've announced it anywhere. So, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on that. We'll probably do an episode about that and announce it. But uh, our fifth brand is in the fold. We're super excited about it. Um, and, uh, and there's just lots happening right now uh, in the world of World War 100. So, so uh, really good news for us. We're pumped. I'm gonna, so I'll pause on our kind of regular 31-bit storyline here. We'll jump back into a, a broader conversation about why we acquired this brand. We'll probably do another episode where uh, I really talk through, hopefully with Taylor, if uh, we can make the timeline up. Um, both of us have a busy week here. Uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll be working on trying to figure out, uh, or we'll, we'll create some uh, info for you about why we picked this next brand as well. It's another uh, brand where we can sort of talk you through exactly what we like about it and exactly why we think it's a good fit for our model. So that's the plan for this next week. As always, I would love your ratings and reviews um, and your feedback. Uh, podcast at 4x400.com. Find me on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris. If you're not in the Twitter conversation, what are you doing? Get in the Twitter conversation. Otherwise, thanks for listening as always. We'll talk to you next week.